Hi, everybody. Uh, great seeing you guys. Um, it's always a privilege to be able to work together um, as one church family. Well, today's a special day, isn't it? So Mother's Day, and I think it's uh, really um, awesome that we get to recognize and celebrate uh, our mothers. And uh, uh, so I do want to take this time to recognize the mothers in our midst. And uh, if you can stand, that'll be great. So if you're mothers in this room, please stand. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, I talked to Mrs. Davin and you know, I gave her a heads up that I was going to recognize her. So, but really uh, happy to have you guys here, by the way, uh, visiting us. So, well, again, happy Mother's Day. Uh, I hope you are able to spend some time with your mothers and celebrate this day, um, just honoring uh, any, you know, um, not just mothers, but perhaps mother figures in your lives too. Um, but I do want to mention something too. Um, just want to be mindful of uh, just different situations and walk that we're coming from. Uh, I think in the midst of the celebrations that uh, we get to have on this day, I think for some of us, uh, the Mother's Day can be a hard day. Uh, perhaps you're having some conflicts with your mother at the moment. Uh, perhaps uh, you've lost your mother. I'm so sorry if that's the case. And also maybe you want to become a mother, uh, but you're having a difficulty with that. Oh, you know, wherever you're coming from, uh, I just wanted to mention you know, these possibilities and cases uh, just to let you know that you're not forgotten uh, as we again celebrate this day. So uh, we are all come from different walks and situations and you know we are all equally loved by God. So uh, with that um, we are going into uh, this passage for today. Um, I think on this Mother's Day is a good opportunity for us to have some sort of a topical uh, teaching uh, and uh, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians that we've been going through actually has a perfect passage for that. So we're going to jump over to Ephesians 6, uh, verses 1 through 4. Uh, there Paul teaches us um, about the, the uh, you know, parents and children relationship. So I think it will be great for us to uh, study this and learn what God has to say about um, that relationship. And we'll also see that there's a lot of connection between this passage and what we've been studying in this book. So, so please turn with me to this passage uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4. I'll read it for us, and I'll pray for us, and we'll uh, delve right into it. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That is God's word. Uh, let's pray together and we'll go into the time of the message.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for who you are, uh, most of all. Because you exist, because you are a good God, because you are a powerful God. You know, all that you are gives us assurance and hope for our lives. Thank you that you have drawn near towards us in, in your Son uh, so that we can have relationship with you and we can always approach your throne um, whenever we have any needs, which is every single moment. So right now, Lord, we approach your throne, uh, throne of grace, uh, asking for um, the very grace that would give us strength as well as, well as comfort and especially today as we learn about your will in regards to our callings in our families as children and as parents. Oh Lord, uh, may you heal our hearts, uh, comfort our souls, and direct our, our path uh, moving forward so that we can be people living uh, by your will and get to bless people around us, especially our families, God. Thank you for all that you will teach us today. And uh, uh, please use me as your uh, unworthy servant uh, to deliver your word, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, got three points as usual. Uh, those are honoring Christ as a new creation. Uh, second, honoring Christ as children. And thirdly, Honoring Christ as parents. And the title for this message is Honoring Christ in Our Familial Callings. So first, honoring Christ as a new creation. Uh, so this point will be about the background and context. I think that's very important. So before we jump right into our passage, uh, it's very important for us to zoom out and try to see the context that this passage is situated in so that we can understand the meaning of this passage better. And I, I got the, the, those concentric circles for you. I don't know if you can see oh, very clearly. Um, so the central, uh, the, the circle in the center is today's passage. And you see two other circles. Those are the contexts that I want you to uh, pay attention to for a moment. So the biggest circle is a foundational context for today's passage. And that circle is actually found in the passage that we looked at uh, the last time we looked at this book of Ephesians, which is uh, chapter 4, verses 17 to 24. For the next slide, uh, I, I got two verses from that passage just to kind of give you an idea of what we learned at the time. So verse 17, it said, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And then in verse 24, it said, um, basically, you have put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So what we learned in that passage at the time is that, uh, you know, being a Christ follower uh, means that you have been recreated, or I think more popular phrase is born again uh, in Christ, and not by your works to earn it, but simply by receiving Christ by your faith. So now you have a new identity in Christ. And now you have a new nature 
uh, contrary to the sinful nature that wanted to live for yourself, but now you have a new nature that wants to live for God, that wants to become more like Christ in your character. So since you have that new identity, Paul is saying, Christians, Christ followers, now live like that. Live like who you are. Stop living like the sin-craving Gentiles, but live like God's new creation. So that's the biggest circle. And now, the second circle that's, that's within this uh, big circle that we just looked at is Ephesians 5.21. Please follow with me. It says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So again, in continuation from the last passage, Paul is saying, yes, you are a new creation now. You have new nature in wanting to live for Christ. And you want to revere and worship Christ now in your life. But you do that, you worship Christ when you submit to and serve others as opposed to you know, being selfish and trying to take advantage of other people in your lives. And, and that's true. When, you know, we honor Christ when we serve other people because Christ himself you know, became a servant. You know, Christ himself, although he's God and king, he became a slave and servant, you know, serving humanity and even dying on the cross. So when we serve others, we are imitating him. And that way we're honoring him. And now, finally, back to today's passage. We zoom back into today's passage. And, and there, I want you to notice that uh, the, the passage starts and ends with this one word, Lord. Uh, it's referring to Jesus, meaning that in this passage, Paul will exhort us to honor Christ as Lord by something and by serving. So again, it connects with our last passage, meaning that, uh, especially in this passage, you know, Paul will address the relationship between children and parents. So what that means is Paul is exhorting us to honor Christ by, revere Christ by serving one another within you know, the family relationships as children and parents. That's what we will look at. And it's important for us to see that so that we're not just reading these passages about you know, honoring parents and parenting well as isolated just, you know, moral platitudes. It's, it's about honoring Christ. So what, that, what we see there is that you know, when Christ enters into our hearts and lives and he gives us new nature, you know, now we are to live totally differently in every single area of our lives. And that includes even our relationships with our parents and if you're a parent, you know, uh, your relationship with your children. Meaning that, you know, you can't say you are a Christ follower but neglect your parents or treat them in an ungodly way. You know, and, and further, you can't say later on that you are Christ follower but parent your children in worldly ways. That's oxymoronic. We must, if you are Christ's father, you, you must grow in these relationships. And that's, again, what it means to be a new creation in Christ. 
Um, next slide, just to kind of visualize what I'm going to talk about here. Uh, whenever I have my uh, guests over to uh, our home, uh, you know, I, I can't just clean just the dining table and, you know, uh, living room, just because, you know, that's the main arena area where I'm going to have my guests over to. I have to clean the bathroom, too, and other areas that the guests might go over to, right? So I usually, you know, I, I do like having guests over, and because that's a good opportunity and excuse for me to clean my house uh, better and more frequently. Uh, so I think, you know, I, I, it's, it's a good opportunity for me to keep, in, uh, keep our house neat, but I do fail, I realize, at times. So let me tell you a story. So a, a few weeks ago, I had my life group over at my place. And while we're chilling in our basement downstairs, one of my members walked over to a box uh, in, a, in a corner of the basement. Uh, and in, that, that box is actually a box that I, uh, in, in which I put all the, kept all the snacks from, from the past, from, from the past life group meetings. Um, and by the way, so um, these are from like months ago. And it's okay because those are mostly what, like bag candies and, you know, uh, fruit snacks and, you know, like unopened bags of chips. So I just kept them there. It's like, oh, it's okay. But then when that life group member walked over to the box, I hear this, you know, scream type of sounds like, oh. So I jumped up and I walked over to the box too. And I also went, oh. So what happened was that in front of our eyes was this black object that was supposed to be a mandarin orange. I had no idea that it was there. But it was sitting there for literally months, just rotting away. So I had to deal with it, right? And I shared that because when Christ enters my house, the house of my heart and my lives, you know, he doesn't come there just to, you know, be a guest. He comes into my house uh, to live there permanently. That's what the Bible says. He doesn't leave me. He is a permanent resident in my house now. And he will occupy every part of every corner of my house, and he will reveal, so to speak, those black oranges in my life. Uh, that I need to deal with, so that my whole house, my whole life can be pleasing and a new creation that I'm supposed to be. And I'm saying that one of those black oranges in our lives could be uh, our relationships with our parents and our family members. And, and if Christ reveals to you that there's a room to grow in that area, uh, as a new creation, our calling is to take heed and deal with those things and try to honor, grow to honor Christ in that area. So we are to honor Christ as a new creation. Second, honoring Christ as children. So now let's look at, with the context in place, now let's look at today's passage uh, that will teach us, you know, um, the children-parent relationship. So first we look at um, the responsibility as, as children. So verse 1, we read this. 
children, obey, again, as new creation, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And, and there, Paul's saying this is the right thing to do. Obeying your parents is the right thing to do. But he doesn't stop there. We'll, we'll read in a moment, verses uh, 23, where Paul quotes Old Testament passage to back up why this is the right thing to do. What that means is, again, for Christians, obeying parents is not just a moral code thing. You know, it's not like what Confucius would say. It's like, that's a good thing to do. But no, the measure of right and wrong is found in the Word of God. So that's why Paul will go to the Old Testament, especially the Ten Commandments. So we read verses 23. It says, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Uh, if you're familiar, this is the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments found in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. Uh, here, what I want you to notice is this. Interestingly, Paul is not quoting the whole verse from the commandment. So let me direct you to the original words of the commandment from Exodus 20, 12, where it says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that, your, that the Lord your God is giving you. So in our Ephesians passage, Paul has left out that last sentence that I, that I highlighted for you. There, there Paul did that in order to distinguish between the, the distinguished context between the Old Testament Israelites and the New Testament believers like some of us. Meaning at that time when the, the commandment was given to the Israelites, God was literally promising uh, the Israelites a land of Canaan uh, as a result of their obedience, particularly to their parents. But for the New Testament believers, this doesn't apply anymore because it's a new covenant now. We're not in the you know, land of Israel anymore. So in the New Testament, we see over and over that the land uh, that's promised for the, the Old Testament believers are now translated into the, the promise of the eternal land, namely the eternal life. So Paul is saying that God is promising the believers in Christ the eternal life as a reward for their obedience to their parents. But we got to explain that because it may sound at first like, you know, works righteousness, right? It sounds like your salvation, your eternal life depends on how you perform for your parents. That's not it. Paul is not saying that, but he's rather saying obedience, such obedience to parents is a fruit uh, it, it's an evidence that shows, it's a proof that shows that your faith in Christ is genuine. So out of the faith in Christ that leads you to obey your parents, and as a result of that, um, and, and you do that out of worship for Christ, honoring Christ, as a result of that, you receive eternal life. We don't want to mix that up. It's not about you know, work and reward. It's about faith. You know, bearing fruit in obedience. So eternal life is the ultimate you know, reward. That's what Paul is saying. But I also believe, as I'm noted there, Paul is also, or God is also promising 
some temporal blessings as well in this life. You know, meaning that if you obey your parents, some things in your life right now, not just all the way in heaven, but right now, some things will go well. I think I believe what that means is two things. One, uh, normally if you obey your parents and listen to their advices, uh, our lives may go well uh, because parents have what we don't have, namely wisdom that can only come from living longer. And secondly, I think more importantly though, I think our lives will be better if we obey the voice of our parents uh, because uh, if we don't obey, there will be relational conflicts, right? And uh, if you have an experience of that kind, it's most painful, most painful thing in, in our lives because whether we like it or not, parents are closest, perhaps closest to us in relationship in our lives. When things are not well between us and parents, us and our parents, it hurts. It really hurts because we're that intimate all the way from our, you know, uh, day one of our lives. But when there is peace because of our obedience, now there's perhaps less mental and emotional, uh, you know, anguish. So that literally, quite literally, like Paul says here, we may live longer. Uh, because of that peace that you have with your parents. But in any case, though, what is clear uh, from this passage, from these verses, is that God is giving us incentive for obeying our parents. And here it, it says, in the parenthesis, it says, this is the first commandment with the promise. Actually, in, in the uh, Ten Commandments, this is the only, prom- this is the only commandment that has a promise. What that means is that God singled out this commandment and giving us incentive. Hey, I'll I'll reward you in this way, so obey your parents. It's a special blessing. It's a special commandment. The question is, why? Why obeying parents is that important to God? I believe the answer to that is because God has ordained parents to be an authority in our lives that represents God's own authority. So when we obey, you know, out of our faith in Christ, when we obey our parents' authority, God is saying, you are ultimately, you know, obeying me. You are honoring me and worshiping me. You are trusting me. So I'm pleased. That's why I believe God is giving us incentive and encouraging us to obey our parents. Uh, Follow with me. I I got um, more things to say about this because it's so important for us to understand uh, this clearly. So two clarifications I want to make. One is I want you to notice that Paul used the word obey when the, the fifth commandment from the Old Testament used the word honor. You know, obedience is a very specific form of honor, right? It's more active and and binding too. And I believe Paul is using that word, obey, because in this letter, Paul is speaking directly to the underage children in the church of Ephesus, you know, who are literally living with their parents and are depending on their guidance and support. 
So they literally have to obey their rules day by day. And they really have to look up to them as their authority. Uh, so what that means is the word obey may not apply to all of us in this room. Um, because many of us, as far as I see, are above that age and are living away from our parents. So does that mean we disregard this uh, command entirely? Uh, not so. We must heed the principle of this verse as well as uh, the fifth commandment that still applies to all the children, not just the underage children. Because That's why Moses, who wrote that book in Exodus, uh, he, he used the word honor. That applies to everybody, every single children ever lived on earth. We are still to honor our parents, whether we live under them or not. You know, do our best to, um, you know, show honor, whatever that means, as we'll talk about it in a moment, even though we may not have to follow their rules per se. So that's one first clarification. And second one has to do with the word in the Lord. Uh, it simply means that Paul is not exhorting blind obedience. It's not saying just obey no matter what. The condition is in the Lord, meaning that you know, we're to obey and honor our parents as best as we can as our worship to the Lord, meaning that our obedience in any way makes us sin, or if our parents somehow, because of their sinful nature, or if they're not believers, if they tell us to do something that's contrary to God's will, then we are to disobey, because that is not in the Lord. And also, obviously, this means that children must be protected from any parental abuse because that is in the Lord. So in summation, Paul is exhorting Christ's followers to you know, honor their parents as an expression of worship and honor to God's own authority. And it, it is responsibility as a new creation and each of us has to wrestle, instead of neglecting it, you have to wrestle with what that means for me. How do I honor my parents? And in this situation, the context, how do I honor my, honor my parents well? And that's a necessary wrestling that we have to do if you are a new creation in Christ. If you're on the next slide, um, <clears throat> I put up a book there and this is a book I read uh, during my seminary years, and uh, it's called The Following Jesus Without Dishonoring Your Parents. Uh, it's really a story book. It's a book uh, of a collection of stories of how different real-life Christians of different contexts, you know, try to follow God's call, you know, in their lives, you know, despite um, their conflicts with their parents. And and Deb and I actually read this together, and you know, it's very emotional a uh, book. It's very a lot of emotional stories because we see, you know, some of their parents, you know, try to control their kids uh, over their education, over their careers, and even over their marriages. So there's a lot of strifes, and you know, the people in this books in the stories are, are going through. But what impressed uh, us while we're reading this book is that. All these stories uh, show how each person 
has strong resolve to follow Jesus in their call while also striving to honor their parents. Uh, it's a very hard balance to keep, but they do that because they believe from the scripture that honoring uh, their parents is not an option. It's a command for the new creation people. And they do that out of their worship to the Lord. And therefore, we, in, in some of the stories, you know, some of them, we see some of them having to disobey their parents for a time in order to follow God's call. All the while, they do their best to minister to them and try to reach out to them, not shunning them, saying, oh, I'm doing God's will, and don't tell me what to know. They're, they're not doing that. They're actually trying to minister to them in, in ways that are best. So that is the objective for all Christ followers. And it's hard. I think for some of us, you know, honoring parents well uh, means to, you know, stop neglecting and stop dismissing them. You actually show respect to them. But for others, maybe, honoring our parents means drawing a boundary with them to honor them well. If there's too much control or things like that. It's, it's a hard balance to keep. It's very, you know, depends on different contexts and situations. But in all these situations and contexts, again, we have responsibility to honor our parents. And with that said, let me uh, try to be pastoral here. You know, I've been a uh, pastor for almost 10 years now. And what that means is I've, you know, counseled and, you know, talked and got to know a lot of different people. And I've realized that many people Many, many people, perhaps maybe people in this, in this room that, that I know, have a lot of pain, much, much pain from um, what happened between them and their parents. So I've been praying, and I'm still praying that there will be God's healing in your hearts. It's a command for sure, but it, it doesn't happen overnight. Again, hurts like that between you and your parents, because there's such intimacy, it hurts so much. It takes a lot of time. But again, my hope and prayer is that as we wrestle, as we become healing agents to one another, perhaps in this community, you know, over 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 the years, may we experience that healing to the point that we get to truly forgive our parents. And even to the get, get to the point of reconciliation. And from my experience and from a lot of other people's experience, when you get to forgive your parents, that's when breakthrough happens in your spiritual lives. Because, as we'll see in a moment, parents represent God. If you are having a bad relationship with parents, it's hard for you to have a good relationship with God. That's my prayer. It takes time, but... May God touch your heart. And lastly, honoring Christ as parents. So now we turn to parents' responsibility. Not, we just looked at you know, the three verses of children's responsibility to the parents, but now there's also a mutual responsibility that parents have. And at this point, I'm a little worried that you'll all tune me out. Because <laughs> as far as I know, that, um, you know, <clears throat> my wife and I and uh, um, Daniel's family are the, the only parents 
in this room right now. And, um, and I know not every one of us uh, may be called to marriage um, because singlehood is valuable. And maybe, uh, you know, not every one of us might be called to parenthood because God may have different callings for you to honor him with. But for those of us, you know, who uh, may be called to marriage and parenthood um, later on, I really want, want to encourage you to listen uh, to, this, to this verse and what I'm about to say because I want you to be good parents, Lord willing, if you become parents. I want you to be good parents in the Lord. So I'm, you know, I'm sowing seeds right now. I know it's going to be a long road for many of us, but I hope that God uses what I'm about to say in your life right now so you'll get ready for your parenthood. So let's hear what God has to say to you through Apostle Paul. Verse 4, it says this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There are two parts in this, in this command. First, negative, and second, positive. The first one has to do with uh, that they're commanded not to provoke their children to anger. Uh, I think it would be helpful for us to go to a parallel passage in Colossians. It's Colossians 3.21. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So what it means is this. Paul is saying, you know, do not make your children frustrated or discouraged by overbearing them or through any unfair treatment. I think another way to put this is, because we talked about how you know, God gave parents you know, delegated authority to them, I think what this means is Paul is saying, do not abuse the authority that God has given you through domineering and any insensitive remarks. Do not do that. Use your authority well to serve your children. And the second part to this command is that the parents are commanded to you know, bring their children up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. I think what Paul is trying to do is to clarify that not provoking your children does not mean not teaching, not parenting. You know, parents have responsibility to teach their children. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who is in an education system and she was saying how these days there are a lot of parents who don't teach their kids. Um, and there are a lot of various factors uh, culturally too right now because, uh, for, for that result. But that's what I hear. But the clear scriptural command is that parents had to do their job to teach their kids. But specifically, Paul is exhorting parents to teach their children in the Lord. Their um, the three words there, in, of the Lord. What that means is Paul is telling the parents to instruct the children, not just in any topics, though they are important, but especially you know, spiritually and biblically. That's the parents' job. So we go to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, 67. It says, And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down 
and when you rise. It's a metaphor, but still, Moses is saying that in every occasion, you are to teach your children to uh, know the Lord, to know the Bible, to know God's will. And that's the main calling of the parents. I think some of you guys know that I was a youth pastor before I came to CLC. I was a youth pastor for uh, three and a half years in Milwaukee. And I really adored and respected the, the parents of the youth group that I served. But there was one tendency that I noticed uh, in, in my youth group as well as uh, in other youth groups that I um, got to know. And that tendency was that um, the parents tend to expect me and the pastors to teach their kids, um, you know, in the Bible and spiritually. And they wouldn't really do anything at home. Uh, and that is not right. And now I want to, you know, put a caveat there. I do have a soft spot personally for uh, these parents that I served with because, you know, many of them were first-generation immigrant parents. And, and they do spend, maybe some of your parents, they spend a lot of time you know, working just to provide, to make the ends meet for their families. So it is practically hard to be faithful to this calling that they have to, you know, raise their children in the Lord. So I do, do not want to be too harsh on them. I, I know that. But I think personally what's been very discouraging is this, is that I hear that the second generation, um, you know, parents are not any better, but actually a lot worse. I have a friend, you know, who for many years pastored a youth group uh, whose members were mostly third-generation Asian Americans. What that means is that their parents are the second-generation Asian Americans. And he shared many times with me, uh, just with, out of anguish, that the parents you know, now have you know, more time on their hand and more affluence that uh, their parents didn't have. But he noticed that they tend to be more obsessed because they know how to succeed now in the world. They're even more obsessed about the children's success so that um, the, the children turn out to be very impoverished spiritually. They don't know the Bible. They don't know God. And, and I know, I understand that I'm speaking more from my experience, so maybe your context may be different. But I hope you get my point here. Uh, when the parents do not do their job and main calling of raising up their children in the Lord, it does not just affect their own children, but it affects subsequent generations down the road. And I remember I showed this post um, that my friend posted on his social media. And the more I look at it, I'm like, man, this is so sad, but so true. When first generation of parents do not make the church or God priority. It trickles down to the second generation and third and fourth to the point that when we get to a certain point, children, children do not know the Lord at all. And I've seen that and that's a scary thing. And I'm sharing this with you, hoping and praying that your generation, that you will be the trendsetter for your generation. Because if you know the Lord, if you teach your children, then that will trickle down, trickle down to their generation, their 
children's generation, their grandchildren's generation, over and over. And that's important thing. And guess what? That that calling of you know raising up our children in the Lord, the process starts now, right now, even when you're not married, because teaching or knowing the Lord it doesn't happen overnight, right? It's not a popcorn process. It happens when you are now walking faithfully with the Lord day by day. It may not seem like significant, but if you do that right now, when you get to the age, when you get to the life stage where you are parents, it'll happen. But if not, it will not happen. And that's my plea to you. Even though you're not married or having have kids right now, that you take your work with God right now seriously. Because our future generations are at stake. So let's close together here. So Paul is saying, do not provoke your children to anger, but to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And if you think about it, if you really think about it, what Paul is saying uh, you know, other than the actual commands, is that that he's telling, he's exhorting the parents, parents to be like God. Do you see that? He's saying that basically love your children right, just like God would as a heavenly father. Like, how does God love their children? You know, being the perfect parent, you know, he you know, would use his authority not to domineer, but he uses authority to what? To serve. That's what we see in Jesus Christ. He became a servant. He gave up his luxury to serve us, to die for us. But while he, God does that, he also is very patient to teach us. He doesn't just leave us alone. He teaches us. Through what? Through the word, through even right now as we preach. He is nurturing us in love patiently. Another way to put it is God shows grace, steadfast love towards his children. And the earthly parents are to show such grace to their children. And when they do that, they reflect God, God's parenthood. And they will worship Christ because of that. Uh, let me end with uh, uh, this um, I guess first picture. Um, so that's when Seth was uh, probably before one year old, or maybe a little after that, uh, or maybe I'm, I'm sorry, way before probably, because what he's doing right now in the picture is he's doing a tummy time. Um, that's what babies do to uh, build up uh, their muscles in order to crawl better and to walk better, right? And then, um, I was going to show you this video, but there's a difficulty there, but also there's a video I was going to show you of uh, Seth actually, like, taking the first steps. And it's like, I guess, 20 seconds long, but, you know, like, Dev and I were just overjoyed, and, you know, it was like, and, and he was kind of, like, chuckling himself, too. He's like, ha, 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 I walked, or something like that. I don't know. So it was, it was really fun and precious video. Um, and 
can you imagine how ridiculous and even harsh would it be for me and dad to, you know, rebuke him <laughs> during that time, right? I mean, it was a long process. I mean, he started crawling maybe like months after that picture. And it took him like, you know, many, many more months after that to be able to walk. So it was a long process. But we, Deb and I, never rebuked him. He's like, what's wrong with you? Come on. Come on, baby. Come on. We never did that because you know, he's trying his best because he's supposed to fall to learn to walk. And, you know, Deb and I are just very imperfect parents. It's, so now, forget about us. Now imagine the perfect parent, God. Imagine God looking at us with that kind of um, love and cherishing and care and patience that when we fall, he won't be like, what's wrong with you? No, he goes, come on, child, get back up. You are going to grow. I'm going to make sure that you grow. Come on, let's go. Perfect love he displays. And I share that because only when you are convinced of God's parenthood God's perfect love like that towards you, we can do what we're told to do in this passage. Only when we're convinced of God's love for us, that he is a perfect parent, even though my parents might have failed me, God will never fail me. I don't need people's love. I need God's love, and I have it in Christ. And out of that security, now I can love others, especially my parents. Forgive them and love them and honor them because I love Christ. And from there on, again, if God calls you, when you become parents, you can reflect godly, God's love, God type of love toward your own children. It all starts from how we relate to God as our heavenly parent. So may you remember that, may you remember that picture of God being patient with you through your falling, crawling, walking, wobbling. God loves you. That's what it means to be a parent in God's economy. Let's pray together um, just silently. Um, just between you and God. Um, you know, God welcomes us with his, his arms calling us child come come and as we talk to him may we get to process what we just heard in his word oh man you know obeying and respecting our parents is not just a just, just a good thing to do. It's not just a socially accepted norm. And if that's all there is, then that's why we see perhaps that norm breaking, you know, day by day in our in our world. But if that is God's loving expectation on us, 
if that is something that God wants us to grow in so that we can be better worshipers of Christ. Ultimately respecting God's authority in my life. And as we do that, I get, like I mentioned earlier, I see a lot of need for healing in our lives. It's never easy to um, look back at our childhood perhaps um, and I'm sure many good times but perhaps some very tough and dark times too my goodness how do I how do I go from that It really has to be the touch of the Holy Spirit in your life. And through the help of many people, uh, even professionals, to, to process those things. But I believe that God is able to heal us and grow us to be mature enough to do what's unthinkable, even you know, forgiving and reconciling. Can we pray right now? Just come to God uh, who is ready to help us and ask God to touch our hearts and help us to see what we can be doing right now to be faithful to Him and what do I need from God for that healing process. Let's pray together. Let's go. Over the song. Let's pray together.